0: Hello, and welcome back to Heartwork, the podcast all about love, relationships, dating, and the work of the heart. My name is Tom Lloyd, and I have a very special guest with us today. And she's one of my biggest inspirations, and she probably loves me more than anyone else on the planet doesn't really get much better than this woman for me. She is everything, and that person is my mom. I am so excited to have her here with us because I love talking about love with my mom. It is the best. Whenever I'm talking with her, we're always one-on-one, heart-to-heart, and it feels like time and space just kind of disappear hours can go by in what just feels like minutes. And so I have to be honest, we really did try to keep it short, but this episode is a little longer. uh, And I think it's worth it. I'm so happy that she's here because I also think she really helps anchor and ground this show in something that I really believe, which is that every single person in this world has a wealth, of knowledge and experience to share from their heart. And that the people who are right around us, connected to our own hearts, are great there is greatness and great amounts of love right around the corner if you can have the eyes to see it and it's worth it to tap into these people to recognize the love that exists with people around you because the hearts around you are resonating with whatever is in your heart I am so excited to share my mom with you. People who meet my mom absolutely love her. They always want to know what's going on with her because she's just such a little bundle and kind of an explosion of love. She's incredible. She's taught me a lot about love and I think you'll see that in this episode. So without further ado, let's get to the heart of it. Here is Cecily Lloyd, my lovely little mother. Hi, Mom. Welcome. Hi,
1: Tom. It's, it's nice to hear your voice this evening.
0: It's nice to hear yours as well. Thanks for doing this and being on the show. Um, I'm excited to have you on because you're my mom. What I'm asking everybody is, what is what would you title our relationship as? <laughs>
1: <sighs> well, since you introduced me as your mom, yes, I am Tom Lloyd's mother. <laughs> and <laughs> and um it's been a connection of the heart since day one um but it has been evolving relationship and um i'm also a wife of um 30 years to a man named mark lloyd
0: that's a good description of it i feel like it is evolving we've gone through several different phases of our relationship and so you're only a voice right now. What do you want people to know about you besides the fact that you're my mom and that I love you? <laughs> well,
1: <I'm> a, <clears throat> I, I would say I'm a pretty high energy person, happen to be a wife and now a retired businesswoman.
0: As of a couple of weeks ago, right?
1: As a couple of weeks ago. And I am really enjoying it, believe it or not. Most people were thinking I would be a crazy person by now, but actually I'm finding all kinds of things to do.
0: And just in time for the pandemic, right?
1: Just in time for that. (laughs) But I've had a couple of weeks to get used to being uh, retired with nothing to do rather than working a 12-hour day. So it's really, I hate to say it, but awesome.
0: Yeah, I bet it is awesome. I feel like we're all kind of a little bit retired right now. In some ways,
1: in some ways we are
0: not everybody, but a lot of people. So, in- okay. The next question is: We'll just jump into it. Okay. You're my mom, so you're you have a lot of memories of me. But what is your very first memory of me?
1: Well, believe it or not, when I was pregnant with you, I um, was a bit of a workaholic. And at a certain point, I thought, well, you know, he's com- he's coming out. This baby is coming out of here. But I have absolutely no connection. You know, I had had friends who really felt the connection right away. But I felt like I was a person working and I happened to be pregnant. And it really concerned me because I thought, what's wrong with me? That I don't have this deep connection as a pregnant woman. I was excited, but there wasn't the connection that I thought there should be. So um, one night before I went to bed, I asked if there's any possible way of connecting with this this little human that's developing inside of me, I would really love the opportunity. And interestingly enough, in the dream state, I was able to look, this is gonna sound strange, but I could see my pregnant belly and I could see all the way through in utero and I saw you and um, you were of course in the fetal position and I could see your eyelids and your little fingers and your body and um, I thought yeah okay so now I know who's there but um, this you know this is going to be quite the experience because I had never really thought about having kids. And my mom had said to me, it is the greatest gift that you can be given as a human being. And I asked her why, and she said, because it will teach you more about yourself than anything else on earth could possibly teach you. And of course she turned out to be right. But when, um, after you were born, I remember looking in your crib, and so here's this little human. So cute. You were so cute. And I was so glad you were out of my body. I can tell you that because you were two and a half weeks overdue. And I'm only five, too. So there was not a lot of room. Not a lot of room at all left. (laughs) (laughs) And you came out with rolls of fat on you and the whole thing. But anyway, that's beside the point. But I remember looking down in the crib, and you had the same fetal position that I had seen when I had asked to make that connection with you in the dream state. And I went, yep, that was actually a real experience. I actually got to see you prior to you being born. And then you opened your eyes and you looked at me and, (laughs) and you looked straight in my eyes and you went, oh, it's you again. And, and I said, yep, it is me. We're going to have quite the experience. And, um, and it has been quite the most wonderful experience of my life.
0: So that was the first memory you have of me. And also when our hearts connected.
1: Yes, I would say that, um, that for sure, that was the connection, you know, some people, um, the minute they see their baby, they fall in love immediately. And I was like, wow, I don't know if I even know how to put a diaper on. And this is really going to be a challenge for me. I hope I'm going to be a good mother. And, um, because somebody had told me years previous to that, that I should never consider being a mom because I wasn't very patient. So I was pretty tentative about it, but, you know, kids don't come with instruction manuals, but, Thank goodness they come in the baby form and you get to learn uh, and grow with them. So they're growing, but you're also growing. And um, that day, it was was a few days after your birth. It was like, oh yeah, you are for sure mine. And we are for sure connected in the heart, regardless of whether you thought, oh, it's you once again. So (laughs) (laughs) there it is.
0: My first memory of you is really hard to lock down, I would say, just because you've always been there. But I think for some reason, there's this memory of me drawing you in elementary school or something, like of us drawing our family. And I remember drawing you in this black and white skirt. It was either like a striped skirt or polka dot skirt, and I just remember when I was really young looking up at you and just thinking you are the most amazing woman, like fierce and beautiful and amazing.
1: Well, I do remember that time. I, um, (laughs) (laughs) I remember
0: remember when I was fierce and beautiful and amazing.
1: (laughs) No, I'm not saying that. I do remember the outfit. Um, you had invited me to a mother's experience at your preschool and It was supposed to be a casual, hands-on experience, but you were very specific about what you wanted me to wear. You wanted me to wear what you called the raindrop dress. And back then, we used to wear um, mid-calf dresses. It was a flowy skirt that had polka dots all over it. And I said, why do you want me to wear that, Tom? And you said, because you look like an angel. Oh, I said, (laughs) okay, I guess I'm going to be wearing high heels and the raindrop dress. And let me tell you, I was the only mother that was that dressed up. I bet.
0: But (laughs) you're always kind of dressed up. You always look great. I was thinking about this too. And we have gone through many different phases. I feel like another memory, I don't know, maybe first memory of our current era of being son and mother is when I talked to you in, we were in the kitchen. And you, I kind of admitted that I was not the nicest to you as a teenager. And do you remember what you told me?
1: <laughs> I said, well, yeah, that's true. No, that's you said, yeah, true. you're
0: a pretty awful human being.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all right. Maybe I did say that. <laughs> you
0: said that. And I said, sorry. And we talked about it and had a heart to heart. And I feel like since that moment, we've been a lot better. We have been a lot better
1: but it was really fun to watch you grow up because um, every stage of the game was so interesting. Um, When you were in first grade, you decided you wanted to be part of Kinney Kangaroo and you weren't the most coordinated child ever, but you um, had to have this jump rope, (laughs) just saying. You had to have this jump rope and it was red and it was really fancy and you decided that you were going to be on the kangaroos, but that meant that you had to jump um, 13 different ways of the jump rope with the final one being this thing called double under. So, um, you got the rope and I think that you thought it was going to be a magic jump rope and that it was just all you had to do was swing it around and everything would be okay, except for the fact that it wasn't okay. And, um, we were at the gym and you threw yourself down on the floor and you said, I cannot do this. And I said, well, if you say you can't, then you can't, but if you say you can, then you will. And, um, I said you just need to keep trying. Well, you did. It was the middle of the winter. You jumped, you jumped, you jumped, you jumped. And it got came down to you you knew all twelve except for the double under. And I had never seen you do the double under. You'd seen you do everything else, but not that. You were jumping in the kitchen, you were jumping in the den, you were jumping in the basement, you were jumping constantly. And so I drove you to school that day because I thought he's gonna be devastated that he's not going to be able to do this double under thing I haven't seen him do it. And my heart was just very heavy that day, taking you to school, but wished you good luck. You said you were going to do it. And um, that afternoon I picked you up because I wanted to make sure I was there for you. And I went to your class and you rushed out the door and I went, Oh, Oh, (laughs) poor child. He didn't do it. (laughs) Oh, what am I going to do to get him? Um, feeling better about himself. And then all of a sudden I saw this little ribbon poking out of your jacket and it said, Kenny kangaroo. And I said, what is that ribbon, Tom? And he goes, I made it. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, how did that happen? And he goes, well, I jumped all morning and I never did it. I just didn't do it, but I did a spiritual exercise and I imagined that I could do it, and I did three in a row. And I was like, oh, my goodness, how exciting is that? You know, reaching for a goal um, against all odds, making it happen. And you ended up being the, I don't know, the count captain or the captain of the team that you everybody had to follow you in regards to how that performance went down. I was so proud of you. It was really exciting.
0: Why are you sharing that story today?
1: Why am I sharing it? Because I think it is um, a beautiful story of perseverance um, that if you, if you believe that you can, you will, that there is always a way if you try hard enough to do it. And I think that you have been somebody for me that has inspired me in this way. So it's, it has been fun watching you over the years, deciding to do what's in your heart and then manifesting it in the physical you're
0: amazing. Well, thank you. You're amazing too. I think it's interesting that you get a motivation of persistence or perseverance from me because you, I don't know, your work ethic is unstoppable and it's just kind of been passed down to me, I think.
1: Maybe.
0: Yeah. I Maybe mean, just you're a in, little bit. You're in retirement and I'm like this, <laughs> I tell everyone, I'm like, look, this woman will not stop working until she's dead. <laughs> she's going to be working on something. Um, So my next question is kind of, we've kind of gone over how we're connected, but uh, kind of moving more into the heart of love and relationships and just the heart is, how is your heart doing today? If you had to, some type of test could take a look at it, what would it uh, show us?
1: My heart is, is in a pretty good place. Even with everything that's going on, you can always find the positives. You know, if you dwell on the negative, if you don't dwell on the the, um, fear, the anxiety, then that's only gonna continue on. I'm not saying that there isn't things to be terrified of, but what I am saying is that in everything, there's always a positive. And I have never seen so many parents out with kids on a weekday night. You know, the mom, the dad, and all the kids walking around. And I'm wondering, you know, as awful as this whole experience is and is creating devastation, financial devastation for a lot of people, then I discovered today that um, some of the coworkers that I have been with, not some of them, but all of them now have been furloughed. And so wow. that does weigh concern on my heart. But the one thing that we can do as soul in this, in this world of lessons, is we can open our heart and we can uh, reach out and find out what we can do for other people and to see as much positive as, as we possibly can. And uh, a friend of mine shared with me some bread that she made and I said, save me a slice. So she cut off a slice and took another picture and um, she was making me a peanut butter and jelly homemade bread sandwich. It was like, I could almost smell it in her kitchen. And so that, you know, that sort of creates some joy. Um, And then I was on a Zoom meeting right before this with four ladies, and it was so good to see their faces, Um, for us to be able to support each other and and chat and um, listen to each other from the heart. So I guess where my heart is right now is I need to keep it as wide open as possible and filled with as much love as possible, I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying that, you know, being self-isolating isn't a challenge or or that it makes me crazy. But I'm taking beginning yoga online. And how <laughs> exciting is that? I mean, I've never taken yoga before. I never had the time to do it. It's amazing. Five days and I can touch the floor. Can't even believe it. Anyway, so there's a lot to be grateful for.
0: You... Bring up a really good pointer. I love hearing you say there's a positive in every situation. It's a cliche, you know. You can just say it, but it's true. I remember one time when I was going through a really difficult time. I asked you, "What do you do when it's really, really hard?" And you told me, "When it's really hard, when it sucks, like when I'm working, it just there's nothing good ever, and it just really sucks." I try to find one thing to be grateful for in the situation. And sometimes it's really hard to find the grateful thing. But if you can do that, you can unlock a lot. And I use that sometimes. It's like if you can find just one thing, like maybe it was the kids walking around today and you started, I don't know, you just surf on this one little good thing. I think that's a... a a cool thing that you've taught me well thank you you're welcome you're such a positive person you've moved from like fierce and beautiful to me and now you're you're like adorable and cute and like the biggest like huggable little thing ever that's what you are to me now well
1: thank you I feel the same way about you
0: (laughs) well you're welcome um okay so The next question is, what did love look like growing up for you? What was your role model of love?
1: Well, I grew up in a military family. Um, I had a mom and a dad. Both were very dedicated to each other. Um, My dad wasn't the easiest to live with, but he was a military man. But there was never a day that I did not feel safe or um, cherished or loved. Or, um, you know, there was some strict things. You know, they taught me a lot about uh, moral ethics and service to life and all of those kind of things, which really created a very strong spiritual foundation for me. Uh, my dad would look at my mom and he'd say, isn't she the most beautiful woman in the room? And I, as I was growing up, I'd go, yeah, I guess so, dad. But he really believe that. You know, he went off to war three times and he wrote her a letter every day to make sure that she knew that he was thinking about her. And um, when it came to me, he was very, very strict. And an example of this would be that um, I was not getting in a car with any, any boy that couldn't come to our home, carry on a decent conversation and use appropriate manners at the dinner table. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so anyway, did invite, and long story short, did invite a guy that I was just nuts about over to the house.
0: When you were how old?
1: Oh, I was maybe 16 and a half.
0: Okay, daring.
1: 17, yep. And? He was very daring. Well, um, he couldn't look my dad straight in the eye, and he couldn't carry on a decent conversation, and he didn't have very good table manners, which was a shock because he was from an Air Force family. And I thought for sure that that would be a safe bet. So we get up from the dinner table. We were supposed to be going to the movies. And he had a really cute um, VW bug. And I was so excited because it was going to be my first date, you know, where parents didn't have to drive me and all that. And my dad walked us to the door and he said, Jim, it's been very nice meeting you. And my daughter will see you on the bus on Monday morning. (laughs) I was (laughs) like, what?
0: (laughs) Oh, wow.
1: It was most embarrassing, especially since we were going to be going to the base movie theater and all that stuff. And we had friends that we were going to get together with and everything, but uh, absolutely not. But the thing I learned from that is maybe I ought to be a little bit more particular about who I bring home. Hmm. And so let me just say that going forward, I was much more particular about who I brought home. Finally, I was able to get into a car date.
0: At, the age, at what age?
1: <laughs> oh, about 17, 17 and a half.
0: Okay. Okay. Yes, indeed. So tell me about um, dating when you were young.
1: <laughs> like, what do you want to know?
0: <laughs> tell us how many proms you went to. Many. <laughs> you senior year. How many proms did you go to?
1: I think I went to six. Six different schools. I went to a private school um, in Honolulu called Punahou, and um, when I would take the bus down,
0: also where Barack Obama went, right in Hawaii.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it, in the of Honolulu. So there were um, young men that I met on the bus, and
0: is that where you met them?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I met them on the bus, or I like. Well, it was a military bus with military kids going to school because a lot of us went to that. And then um, we had this thing at school where you could visit other schools and see what their school was like and they could come to your school. And so I met some people that way. Um, but yeah, my senior year, I went to I went to my own prom, but I went to several other private school proms because they didn't have a date. And so I thought, well, why not? And we had a good time. So <laughs> It was a good time. I mean, why not?
0: Why were you so popular, do you think?
1: I don't know that I was popular. I wouldn't say I was popular.
0: Some people don't think... even get one prom date, Mom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I was just easy to ask. You know, I was just a good friend to a lot of different people. So it wasn't about, you know, I mean, there was no heavy duty romance involved. It was just, you know, they needed somebody to go with and they asked. And so I said, yes. But, you know, I think you're also asking about, um, you know, dating. It's a good time to learn about yourself and um, learn what you like, what you don't like, what you'll put up with. Is this where you're headed, Tom? Yes. Yeah,
0: I I love this. Yeah, I love when you talk about Um, this stuff.
1: um, And so... You can um, talk
0: about your standards. (laughs) I love hearing about your standards.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tom always laughs when I tell this story, but there was, um, well, let's get back to the self-respect. I think that, you know, when you're seeing someone, you really need to think about, well, I mean, there was the first introduction with my parents where, you know, you need to think about who you're bringing home. And part of that is they want to know who's taking care of this daughter of theirs that they really love, right? But then it goes deeper. Then you have to go to the next part of, um, does this person respect me? Or are they just going out with me because maybe they want to prove a point with another buddy? Oh, yeah, I asked Cecily out, and she said yes, and yeah, let's see what we can do here in regards to taking advantage. So anyway, there was this guy that asked me out, and he was, you know, captain of the um, baseball team, very cute.
0: This was in college, right?
1: In college, and for whatever reason, he decided that I wasn't worthy enough to show up on the date on time. So he was to pick me up at seven and he didn't show up till 30. Well, you know, <laughs> I wasn't too happy about that because at the time, the school that I went to was 11 to one, meaning 11 girls to one guy. So he must've thought that I was desperate to have a date. And after an hour went by, I thought, you know what? Mm, if he does show up, he's gonna have to wait. Well, he did show up and I did make him wait. And he goes, well, why? You should have been ready. And I said, you shouldn't have been late. <laughs> and I said, if you do it again, I said, I, I said, at this point, if you ask me out again, I'm not even going to get dressed or showered until you show up, because that was really disrespectful. And he didn't take me at his word. And so the next time he asked me out, he was, you know, about 10 minutes late. And so then I started getting ready. Well, it put him in a bind because, <laughs> of course... Um, this time it mattered because we had to be somewhere at a certain time and he started yelling and fussing at me. And I said, yeah, even after me telling you that you needed to be on time, you didn't show up on time. So from here on out, if I do choose to go out with you, you better show up on time. Otherwise, next time I won't be there when you come to pick me up. So. (laughs) I was pretty, um, my girlfriends couldn't believe it because they were like, oh, a guy asked you out, you know, you should be falling all over yourself. And I thought, no, I'm not going to sit here waiting around for somebody who can't show up on time or give me the respect that I'm due. Because he just wanted to take, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he wanted. Um, And then there was a person who thought they could take me out. You know, this was years later, but another example Um, take me out to a comedy club for a drink and that there would be fringe benefits um, afterwards. So anyway, he invited me to go to this comedy club and I thought since he was picking me up at seven, the comedy routine didn't start till 10, that clearly he was going to take me out for dinner. But nope, that was not what he had in mind. He thought that there would be other appetizers happening um, other than food And I said, you know what, taking me to a comedy club and offering me a Coke or a drink is not going to do it. So I think you have to respect yourself and you have to decide what you want for yourself and you have to teach people how how you want to be treated. He didn't ever do that again, obviously, but I didn't go out with him again either. So there it is.
0: How does that kind of translate to where you are now?
1: Where I am now?
0: or yeah, how you've gotten to where you are now.
1: Well, I think that, um, okay. So you go from, um, learning about respecting yourself, loving yourself enough to define a little bit better. Each time you go out with somebody, you define a little bit better what you're looking for in a relationship. I think when I met your dad, um, I, I was going through a terrible divorce and I had, um, I was at a place where I could, I didn't need to have a man in my life, but I really missed the male companionship. And I had written a list out of things that I would like to have in a partner. Well, I didn't want this. I didn't want that. I didn't want the other. And then I realized, you know what, what I'm putting out to the universe is somewhat negative. And so I think I'm going to rewrite it in regards to what I do want um, in a partner. And it was interesting because I met him about a month later. This doesn't always work for everybody, but it did work for me. I think that when you commit yourself to someone, you know, you really have to look at them for who they are and um, really realize what brought you together with that person. And you need to hang on to that and remember it because you're going to have times when it's going to be glorious and there's going to be times that are good, you know, pretty average and then there's going to be some really shaky times but I think that you have to really always remember not the the sexual part which that's important in a relationship not that but what are the qualities about that person that would make you want to be with them in a committed relationship and those are the things um, that you need to remember and focus on Um, and then the other thing
0: so wait hold up a second before you go on What are those things for me for with dad?
1: I wanted um, a person who was, that had high integrity, that was honest. I wanted somebody who had a connection with his family, um, a loving connection with his family. I wanted um, somebody who would commit themselves to me, not just say it, but action it. I wanted somebody, oh, I mean, the list was like 20 long. I can't remember all the things. I are wanted these the things who,
0: that you remember about? Yeah,
1: from the list.
0: But no, mm-hmm. are these the things that when you're with dad that you remember these things, that these are the, these. is that what you're mm-hmm. talking about? Yep. Okay.
1: And he is that, you know, he was good to you. He was very good to you and um, very loving. You know, I wanted somebody who, Um, what they said and what they did was congruent because I had been in a marriage where it had not been that way. Mm -hmm. And then the bonus gift from this relationship that I learned about love is that he was somebody who really embraced me for who I was. I did not have to be somebody different. I didn't have to put on some kind of dramatic face to be something that I really wasn't. He, He really just full acceptance of who I am as a person. It's a very powerful thing in a relationship because it not only, not only do you feel accepted for who you are, but it allows you to explore another dimension of yourself without fear of um, somebody not, you know, uh, pushing you away for who, who you truly are at your core. And that was something that was, really, and I had never been in a relationship with anybody that had ever done that. And then the other thing that I learned over the course of all this stuff is it's hard not to set expectations, really hard. Certainly for me, expectations of how I wanted to be treated, that was just that was just the way it was for me. But expect, silly expectations about um, different things that you feel like somebody should do. And The thing I've learned about expectations is that expectations will cause you a lot of disappointment because if you're not allowing that person to be who they truly are at their core, because you've set up some kind of crazy expectation of what, how you think they need to be, they can never be that because they're not in your mind. If that makes sense. Does that make sense?
0: It makes sense. It makes total sense. But there's something here I wonder if you can unpack it which is the expectations that we have for a relationship in general when someone's entering our lives what's the difference between that and kind of adhering to some type of standard of yours versus (laughs) you know what I mean versus the expectations that we have once we're actually in said relationship
1: okay so the expectations that I was talking about in regards to how I wanted to be treated, they were just core. I mean, is there are you going out with me because you want to get to know who I am? Can you respect me for who I am as a person? Or is this really all about the sexual connection? For me, I'm just saying for me, the sexual connection is not something I would was very interested in unless there was something more to it than that you know i was not really into casual sex not saying i didn't try it just saying that just was not for me so um i think in the beginning when you're dating you know you're testing out one another you're seeing what they're all about and intuitively if you check in with yourself you know if someone's not quite right so are you really trying to push a square into a round hole Or is this just a blip on the screen? So say somebody does something that you don't like, you know, maybe they're making crass remarks that you don't really particularly appreciate. Not that that's bad, but maybe they're saying things that really just don't resonate with you as a person and it continues on and on. Well, it may be that that's who this person is. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you?
0: Totally. And then that person just doesn't really fit in a...
1: It doesn't fit.
0: In an intimate circle. One of the things that I feel like I'm learning is that, yeah, you just have to be very careful about who you bring into that level of your life. I can tolerate all types of energies, but there's only a certain energy can come that close to me, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I have to be a little bit more careful and just or just be very aware maybe is another way to say it be very aware of what i'm bringing into such a close proximity to myself because i feel like ultimately that's what you start resonating with you know right you 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 know there's a saying it's like you kind of become who you're around right so what do you want to bring into your right body? but there's a difference between that and then once you bring some, that person into, <laughs> into your inner circle right And Mm -hmm. just letting them be.
1: Right. So, you can't bring
0: someone in (laughs) and then say, oh, now you have to be like this to be here, right? That's exactly right. Let them in or not.
1: Yes, you have to decide. It's sort of like a fork in a road. You know, you're in a relationship and and the relationship gets to a place and you have to go right or left. Right or left, it doesn't matter which one, but are you both going to the right? Together or are you going in opposite directions? And you really do know that in your heart if you're, you know, if you're really paying attention. I think. But once you're in the relationship, the expectations that I'm talking about is, for instance, and this is just sort of a funny thing. I really like to have neat and tidy living room, dining room, and
0: kitchen. It oh my really, god! Really? I've ex- I know. Re- I already know what you're going to talk about. I've witnessed really this my whole <laughs> life. So it really
1: matters to me.
0: <laughs> yes. Um,
1: and we have a lot of people coming in and out of our house. So um, I really like there to be a sitting area that is neat and tidy, the dining room area neat and tidy. And if you know somebody needs to have a drink or like a, a sip of water, tea, whatever, that they can actually walk into the kitchen and there's not dirty dishes all around. I don't know why that's a big deal for me, but it is. And you know, it's been an expectation ever since I met your dad. But when he's getting ready for a musical engagement, we have musical equipment all over the living room, the dining room. We might even have speakers in the kitchen. It's everywhere. It drives me crazy. But But, what are um, you trying to say? That's my expectation. That's my expectation. Not his. Not his. And so am I going to train him to be any different? Probably not. Have
0: you tried? Have Have you tried? Oh, yes. And has it worked? Has it worked?
1: No, not at all. No, not at all. (laughs) No, no, it hasn't. It does for short periods of time and then it doesn't. And right now we're in a period of it doesn't. So, um, (laughs) and we're at self-isolation, which makes it even crazier. But with that being said, I know he loves music and I know that it's important to him To get things out there, organized, ready. He likes to, you know, play the different guitars and everything. So um, my expectation—it's a pipe dream, really. Or you hear about um, women have these ideas of what they want for Christmas, but they never really share it with their husbands. And um, when I was working in jewelry years ago, there was a man who um, came in to the jewelry shop because he'd shopped with me for a long time, and I said to his buddy, so. How about you? We're done with Ryan, so what about you? And he goes, Oh, no, there's really no point. Anything that I buy for my wife, she hates it and she returns it. And I said, Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about her? And, you know, we had a nice conversation. And I said, If you give me a chance, I bet you, I bet you that I can make it a Christmas that she'll always remember. And he said, I highly doubt it, but if you can, you will have my business for every occasion going forward. And I said, Okay. So, anyway, Long story short, we found her um, a beautiful strand of pearls. At that time, pearls were really big. And um, I said, okay, so I've wrapped it. Tell me, how are you going to give it to this lady? You know, how are you going to give it to your wife? Well, we have a big family celebration. Fifty People people come, and that's when we open gifts. And I said, oh, you're not going to be doing that. No, that's not the way this is going to go down. Uh, this is gem quality pearls. You know, you've selected it for her for a reason. I said, you're going to take her to your favorite restaurant. You're going to make a reservation the day before. And this is what you're going to do. Well, anyway, the day after Christmas, the two of them show up in the shop and she had tears rolling down her face. She goes, I have never had the most romantic, you know, experience ever. I just, I just love my present. And he was so pleased. The point of me telling this story is that many times women set expectations that are unreachable unreachable because they haven't communicated what they were hoping for or whatever that happens to be but they're also not willing to accept the gift of love from um their spouse or boyfriend girlfriend whatever it happens to be and so the way it it's creates already
0: showing up you mean yeah and so it creates so if we had a, if we could take this story as a case study then the woman's expectation is usually the restaurant with the pearls and the, that whole thing. No, 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 no. That's
1: not the expectation. No. The expectation was that she was disappointed because he never gave her what she had been hoping for, which was jewelry.
0: Okay. That had
1: meaning. He would give her the gift and say, if you don't like it, you can take it back because he had been hurt so many times that he just figured, well, I'm giving her the obligatory gift.
0: Uh -uh. And
1: if she takes it back, but every time that she took it back, it hurt his feelings worse and worse. So, um, but because he said to her, Oh, it doesn't matter. You can take it back. She Mm -hmm. took him at his word and took it back. But what he did differently this time was he made the gift a very personal one, um, which resonated with her. And he talked about the love that he had for her. And I had said, you really need to, this is a big darn deal gift. And you need to not just toss it in the middle of mass pandemonium of 20 kids, unwrapping presents and, you know, all the crazy. This is really a private moment between you and your wife. And I I said, I think she's really going to respond to this. And she did.
0: Well, but don't you think that's partly because you understand what women really want in a way you help that guy kind of tap into what women's (laughs) expectations are
1: it could be but I think and
0: I guess what I'm also trying to that's what I'm trying to one is that's part of what I'm trying to point out is that not only for women but oftentimes people don't communicate or verbalize what it is that they actually want or how, how they want love to show up for them. Or- I would
1: agree with you on that. Right. But, but I think that-
0: um, I feel like that's yes, what this I, story demonstrates as well.
1: Yes, I think, I think that's true. I think that, um, but the other thing is, is that when uh, a gift is given, because I know there have been some gifts that your dad has given me that I was like, I'm not, I don't really get this. I mean, well, I just, I don't get it.
0: Like um, the dud jewelry that the guy had given in the past, right? The, what? <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: the dud jewelry, like, that's what I'm going to call it. The dud jewelry. The dud jewelry? You got dud jewelry from dad and?
1: Well, I didn't get dud jewelry, but. You got dud um, something. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like a disconnect. I, it was a, a sweater or something like that that just didn't seem to be my style but he was so proud of himself. And I think that part of a loving, committed relationship is, I mean, yeah, maybe you don't take a gift that you really don't like, but the other thing is, is if, if your partner has spent that much time and thought and energy into getting you something, wouldn't it maybe be worth it if you tried to see why? And actually this one particular sweater that I was like, I'm just not, I really don't get it at all. I mean, I just don't get it. So, but he was so excited. And so I put it on and I cannot tell you the number of compliments I got on it. And I cannot tell you how warm and cozy it was, which was a big deal for him because it was some kind of special wool that was really soft. So it wouldn't itch my skin. And It had some, um, you know, dark green with some really bright colors on it, which I liked bright colors, but it was just a weird pattern for me. And I realized that it was more important to accept the gift of love and see it for what it was than go. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. No, I don't think so.
0: Okay. So I love this. (laughs) I'm going to make you take it to the next level. Do you know where I'm going? No, (laughs) you don't know where I'm going. Tell us about the person who cleans your house. This is the extension of the lesson, isn't it? Yes, is it is. is. I mean, yeah, is I guess it not is. Not somebody who is your in your most intimate circle of love, but it's the same lesson. Can you, because I love you. She you is. I die when you talk about this.
1: Oh, I, Mary T is just the most amazing woman, really. Um, I met her years ago and she worked for me. And then there came a time when she didn't have that job and she needed a job. And so um, we hired her to help clean the house. Well, she and I have very different taste levels.
0: Very different. In, in home decor is what you're talking about. In
1: home decor. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, at Christmas time, I can come home and I will find jelly things on my windows and I'll have snowmen. Uh, rugs for the kitchen and I'll have I oh there's just no words I mean it's um, not
0: your style
1: it's so not my style but but she gives it with such love and um you know so how I do you deal with this <laughs> I just <laughs> your dad says oh Susie she's so pr- she you know call me up and he'll say oh you can't believe what Mary brought this time Cause for every occasion we get um, some kind of interesting decor items. <laughs> Very interesting. And sometimes she does hit them. You know, she really makes it happen. Um, but uh, I go, Oh no, this can't, we, no, this can't be in our house. And he goes, yes, it has to be. You, she was so thrilled. She was so excited. She wrapped it really nicely for you. You absolutely have to have it out until she comes again. Well, sometimes she gives it, well, in advance of the holiday. So it's like several times. So it's a very long time. But you know, um, what's interesting is the snowman rug is now down at the bottom of the stairs, um, in the basement. And I smile every time I go down the stairs. I Aww. do. I really do. I smile every time I go down the stairs and, um, she, uh, so anyway, needless to say, sometimes you sometimes, just sort of like, need. Like you have I'm to getting, open your heart
0: to you the to gift open that's your heart. being given. What I'm getting is you have to open your heart or your perception even to something, to something outside your range of visibility. You do. There might be, you do. and oftentimes when someone is giving you a gift, there's literally a gift outside of your own comfort zone of reality especially if you don't like the gift
1: yes and so um you know I always do make a big deal about the gifts she's also a great baker and certainly we have profited from cakes and cookies and candies and it's just
0: all kinds just of phenomenal
1: stuff. all well, kinds I'm glad of
0: stuff. That, I'm glad that she's accounted for in this interview she's um, amazing
1: she really truly is
0: I want to ask you just a couple more questions. Yeah, maybe I would say, what is the most significant relationship that you've been in and why? You can either answer that question or what is the worst relationship you've been in and why? Or are they the same?
1: Well, it's it's hard because there are three relationships that are really um, been the most influencing in my life. You know, one is, you, of course, um, I have learned so much from you. It's been really an amazing journey with you. And the love bond that's there, you know, it just will be there for an eternity. Um, two is your dad. He, um, he's taught me a lot about love. And um, what can I say? I mean, he, he helped raise you and was so kind and loving. And with him came Nick, your Brother, who is also an amazing human being, but the third person in my life is is uh, my spiritual leader, who um, has taught me so much about spiritual freedom and and uh, has shown me how to be a more loving person. So I would have to say those are the three big influencers in my life. And I don't know if that answers your question, but those would be you know, that's what it would be
0: those are the three
1: those would be you, the three
0: you can't choose between the three
1: well that would be that would be tough because you know spirituality for me is is a big is, is very big so that always usually comes first and then it would be family second um worst relationship well in a worse relationship you were born mm-hmm. so um it was a nightmare it was like living in a dear Abbey column, but um, (laughs) it was bad in many, many ways because he did also do harm to you. But through that, you know, in any adversity, you learn so many lessons about yourself.
0: What were the lessons that you learned
1: about myself? Yeah. That I I was strong enough to, I could do it. I didn't need him. Um, That Regardless of what was going on, and certainly with you, there there was some tough times with him, but that was after we were separated. Oh, I don't even know what to say. Um, I learned that solidly, if I walked my talk and I remained centered within myself, that I could get through it no matter how bad it was. And it was pretty bad. I learned that if I stood my ground of what was important, which certainly... Um, you were the most important thing that came out of that relationship. If I stood my ground and I took care of business, not thinking about myself, but thinking about what would be best for you, that, um, it would be okay. And thirdly, I learned at that time I didn't have the same, I had a connection with God, but not in the same way that I do now. Um, but I learned that he was there. He was there every step of the way. So, um, there was a lot that good that came out of that relationship, but I'm glad that I didn't have to have interaction with him on a regular and ongoing basis because that would not have been good. And I don't know if I'm really explaining that right, but.
0: I think you're giving us enough of a picture. Um, I know you've been in love because I watch you in love. Can you tell me what <laughs> that feels like to you?
1: Oh, being in love. It's amazing. It's euphoric. It takes your breath away. Um, You can't stop thinking about that other person. Um, You anticipate their touch, their presence. You want to do as much as you can for that other person without smothering them. But it's so much fun exploring and learning. And it's just, there's nothing like it in the world. It just... It makes you just bubble up with joy. It's heart opening. It's, well, there's nothing like it. It's amazing.
0: I love that answer.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Being in love with somebody, you can find that you um, can fall in love with that person over and over. So the love that you thought that you had in the beginning, five years, 10 years, 15 years, years—is a whole different kind of love and if you focus on you know the beauty of the love that maybe you share with that person falling in love again you can fall in love again with that person like your dad and it's a whole different thing it's a it's a deeper uh stronger river of love so to so to speak
0: how do you do, you do that a- because i feel like maybe you already touched on it how do you do that because i feel like there's a common narrative in the world that says the longer you go on, the harder it is to stay in love. And, and you know, it's not like it was at the beginning. It's, it's, diff- it's like, it's, it, I feel like the narrative always is like, it's devolving. But what you're telling me right now is that it can keep expanding. It can keep growing and it can you can keep loving. And I know that because I've seen it <laughs> in you and I'm just wondering, how do you do it?
1: I think, um, it's really important. The connection piece, um, one thing your dad and I have always enjoyed doing is we like to talk a lot and, you know, we share pretty much everything. And sometimes, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you see couples and they don't speak. They're on their cell phones doing whatever they're doing, um, Whatever is on their cell phone is really more important than that person that's in front of you. And I think that um, part of loving is giving attention in the present right then and there to that person where they know that you're listening and hearing them so that they can bring to you, you know, the things that they're troubled with or they're happy about or they're fearful of. And I think that when you, over a period of time, have a relationship with somebody, it can be hard work if that's what you want to think of it is. But, and I'm not going to say that all times with your dad have been easy because they haven't been. But the bottom line is the thought of being without him versus being with him. I don't know. I think I would really rather be with him and try to understand and try to have the necessary compassion to get through whatever that is. Um, to feed that deep river because to me the love is not just fireworks and you know hopping around in fields of flowers which it feels like in the beginning but the, um, the deep the deepening of the love it just changes I don't know how to explain it it just as you get older you change and the love changes but that doesn't mean that you're not in love it's just not that same it's not the same kind of thing. It's just a deeper connection. Like for instance, um, you know, one of the things that your dad and I like to do is we like to have dinner together, well, breakfast and dinner, and um, we make that a priority. And during that period of time, we are not on our phones, reading other materials. We're focused on each other, talking about maybe something that we heard that day or we noticed that day or that we had experienced that day. So there's that connection. And then, you know, with some of the stuff that's going on, you know, with the uh, retirement and everything, we like to sit down and maybe watch a show together and hold hands sitting on the couch. And that's a way for us to ground each other. It may seem really silly, but the just the, the smallest of I'm there for you, you're there for me, the touch, and then just sitting close to each other it just is, it brings a nice ending to a day. And I know that sounds really hokey and weird, but I think that um, it's a way of being able to honor one another in something that is so simple that it maybe doesn't even make sense. But what I see going on in many lives is, and certainly with COVID happening and people talking about being stuck in homes with their spouses and how Um, they're anticipating that the divorce rate will go up, etc. It's like, have you lost that basic connection of the relationship that you had initially? And if you have, then you're right. Probably if if you are so (laughs) irritated with your spouse, you don't like the way they breathe, because we heard that on NPR, that somebody didn't like the way their husband breathed. (laughs) I was taking a breath of air and I'm thinking, how silly is that? You've been listening to him breathe for years. So, um, and I know I'm talking around what you're asking me, but it's really, are you embracing that human being and are you giving that person due diligence of your time and your absolute presence in the moment with that person? I want to
0: say you do this with me
1: well I love you, you very
0: much you do I'm when I'm listening to it I recognize it when I eat dinner with you I love going out to dinner with you because we talk about absolutely everything but you're really there for me and you've done that my whole life I feel like and it's one of the things that I've I cherish about you you've always taken me you you always have like a little date with me and they are often endless conversations. Are they not? Yes. You and me could talk forever.
1: I know. Uh, hours.
0: Hours. I know. Hours. But I think if, it, there's something to be said about that. And I feel like mm-hmm. I look for it in a lover as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's just simply being there for someone. And yeah. Spending it's just, time. It's the best.
1: Yeah. Do you like being quiet with that person? Yeah. Do you like listening to that person?
0: all these things all of that okay if you could go back in time to your like 13 year old self what would you tell her about love
1: i would say okay if i was talking to my 13 year old self i would first tell them it's really important to love yourself first because if you don't then you'll accept whatever you think of love is being tossed your way And um, then I would ask, or you should ask, is this person willing to give me the space that I need to be myself? Or really, is it about them and what they want? Because there has to be a give and take on both sides. But are they willing to give you that space? And then would they be willing to respect your boundaries? Because as you're learning, In love, is it all about them succeeding in their mission of love? Or are they going to take you along at your pace? With this person, am I free to explore spiritual growth? Am I free to explore the depth of who I truly am as soul? And that would be a lot to tell a 13-year-old, but it would be a long conversation, clearly. But those would be the, the basic points. And, um, you know, what does it mean to listen with your heart? Because I think that um, if that person is somebody who you want to get involved with, you know, on a love level, can you listen from your heart to what it is they're saying? Because many people say things, but if you're listening with your heart, you can maybe understand really what they're saying, not what they think you want to hear but what are they really saying? What what are they really trying to say? Because sometimes it's hard to put it into words.
0: That's true. I think you ha- have said a lot of good stuff here today. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> we might have to have you come back. Do you have anything else to say at the end of this to tie anything up?
1: Oh, I think that, um, oh, let's see. Love is a wonderful thing, but love comes in many forms. And if you can find the love in the moment, you know, whether it is, this is going to sound really silly, but whether it's watching wildlife or whether it is your cleaning lady, you know, cleaning up your house and bringing special gifts or whether it is um, a coworker who really um, needs you to listen because they've just lost their job or because of the furlough with the COVID, or whether it is, um, I don't know, there's many, many forms of love, but are you open to it? If you really try to be the very best person that you can be every day and try to serve those that are around you in the best way possible, then you'll have a fulfilling life.
0: All (sighs) right. It's such a joy to talk to you about all of this.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity of reflecting on love because there's so much joy in doing that. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. I love you so much.
1: I love you too. You're the best. All right,
0: you're the best. Um, Stay safe and I'm going to talk to you soon, okay?
1: Okay, I'll talk to you later, sweet thing.
0: All right, bye. Bye. Oh my God, I love my mom. Can you see why? She is incredible. Such an inspiration. I have a bunch of takeaways from her uh, that I kind of pulled out just because I like to do that. And, you know, these could work for you. They could not. But I encourage you to take away whatever works for you for me here's what what really stood out is number one even in the most difficult relationships and the difficult experiences there's always something good there's always a jewel to extract you can see positivity in every negative situation it might sound cliche but it's possible number two you might be inspiring without knowing it that jump rope story i didn't know that my mom was inspired by me and my sense of perseverance she actually inspires the same thing in me which gets me thinking maybe two people two people with the same quality can inspire each other inspiration for inspiration number three get out there and date it's a good time why not it doesn't have to be so serious number four There is a difference between our expectations of when we're bringing a person into our intimate life and the expectations that we have for them once they're there. While we're bringing them into our life, we can have expectations, but once we bring them in, we kind of have to let them be who they are, because if we don't, we might run into some difficulty. Number five, Try writing out a list of what you do want to have in a partner. I've known this to work for many people. Hasn't personally worked for me, but it's worked for many people I know. Number six, communicate what you want and how you want love to show up for you. Do it with the universe, do it with your relationships. If you don't ask, you might not ever receive it. And number seven, There's a way to deliver a gift. If you're not getting what you want out of what you're giving, maybe think about another way to give it. And the opposite of that, number eight, try to see the gift that you are being given behind every gift. You might not always like the gift and how it's packaged to you, but can you find the love behind the gift? There might be something exceptional. And lastly, it just feels like doing this podcast and getting it out there, it's worth it to me just to get this recording of my mom because she's so special to me. To get some of these stories documented is amazing. She didn't mention it in the interview, but a couple of weeks ago, her father passed away, my grandfather, and I've been thinking about lineage and I have no doubt she's thinking about him. But even getting my mom's voice Recorded And some of her stories is so important because these stories, some of them I've heard forever, some of them I've never heard before, but it's so great to get her recorded. And you never know how long someone is going to be around and life is precious. The people in our lives are precious. They have precious things to share. So whether it's your mom or someone else that inspires your heart, now is the time. Today is the day. Life is precious. Go out there, get these moments down, share the stories. Go out or don't go out because we're in quarantine. Connect with someone that you love. Connect with someone who inspires your heart. It is totally worth it and it might just fill you up. That's all I've got for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to stay updated, please feel free to join our Facebook page, Heartwork Podcast. You can get all the updates there and share what you like, what you love. You can message me. What is it that you want to hear? Do you even want to be on the show? I would love to hear. You can also go to heartworkmovement.com and sign up for our mailing list and you'll get all the updates that way too. Beyond that, reach out to your mom. Call her already or call somebody else that you love. From my heart to your heart, I am sending you a load of love, some like major mom type love. And if you can, do what you can to send a little bit more love out to the world. It needs it.